Welcome to 4D. Deep dive into degenerative diseases. Gaining insights through casual and amusing clinical conversations. Welcome to 4D, a podcast brought to you by the ANPT Degenerative Diseases Special Interest Group. My name is Chris Burke. I'm a physical therapist, and I serve as the chair-elect of the DDSIG. I am here today with Alicia Flock. I'm happy to have her with us, who was the recipient of our um, 2023 CSM Best Poster Award. So first, congratulations on that. Thank you. The uh, title of your poster was Education and Exercise Support for Individuals Newly Diagnosed with Parkinson's Disease and Their Care Partners. So before we get into that research, I want to give you a chance to first uh, introduce yourself and then tell us a little bit about the um, the authors who were with you on this project. Absolutely. So I am a clinical associate professor at the University of South Carolina, and um, my primary area of clinical practice and also research is working with people with degenerative diseases, primarily individuals with Parkinson's disease and multiple sclerosis. Um, the people that you see listed here as part of the authors, um, we have actually several students um, that were involved in this project. Um, so Lynn Johnson, um, Becky Schmidt, Madeline East, Emily Delaney um, were all students um, and as physical therapy students. And Reed Handlery and Travis Geller are both physical therapist clinicians. Uh, and Miriam Salman's a neuropsychologist. Um, so she is here in Columbia, South Carolina, and we work closely together with both the Parkinson's Foundation, the MS Society, um, and on several projects. Great. Okay, terrific. So why don't we start off, give me just an overall summary of what you did and um, the basic uh, findings, and then we'll talk a little bit more in detail. Yeah, so this project really started um, as an educational program that the healthcare team was offering to the community for individuals newly diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So we piloted a program and we, of course, made adjustments when it was individuals would come into um, a clinical setting and we would all have short presentations and we got to meet with people and they got to ask questions and then COVID hit. Um, and so right when COVID hit was when we got funded for our first round for this particular project. Um, and so we pivoted as much of the world did to a virtual platform for the education. Um, but we really wanted to support people um, living with Parkinson's disease and their care partners with exercise. Um, so how it is currently set up, we're hoping again to make revisions as we move forward, but they complete online self-paced modules. Um, both the person with Parkinson's disease and their care partners, which they can do together. Um, and then they have separate surveys um, that they do for each of their roles. And so we are able to look at things like exercise self-efficacy and interest and physical activity um, before we paid for a free six-month membership to the YMCA. Um, once they completed the surveys, we then um, checked in with them every couple of weeks to see how it was going. Um, and then we kept attendance records to make sure that they were actually utilizing um, the YMCA. This membership allowed them to access five locations, and that was group exercise classes specific to Parkinson's disease, um, if they wanted to, but they, it wasn't required that they did that type of exercise. They could do anything um, that they wanted to at the Y. So um, uh, my first question was, where did you get this sample from? Like, who were these individuals? Had you been working with them in the past or? 
So our um, target population for our initial round was individuals newly diagnosed, which has a really vague definition, as you all probably know, like, what does that mean, especially symptom onset and with sometimes a delay in diagnosis. So we landed on within five and a half years. Um, And so we really reached out to people in the community. Sometimes that was people I knew before from other studies that we have been working on, but for the most part, it was spread through word of mouth. Our, we have a really active support group here in Columbia. Um, and once a few people got enrolled, it uh, kind of snowballs from there. And I really liked the idea of bringing the care partners in. Um, so who came up with that or why did you think that was an important component of your, of your program? Yeah, so um, really this was a product of conversations that Reed Handlery and I had. So Reed Handlery, um, the physical therapist, but also was working on his PhD at the time of um, thinking through and developing this project. And he had implemented, uh, along with some others, a project that uh, was called the Next Gym. And essentially this was a community exercise program for individuals that had experienced stroke and their care partners. Um, And so he, you know, obviously we work with a lot of people with Parkinson's disease that have care partner support. Um, And so we just thought it was pivotal that we were able to support not only the people living with Parkinson's disease, but care partners who also have health detriments um, due to, you know, the responsibilities or even just, you know, our sedentary lifestyle (laughs) that we have developed um, the country slash world. (laughs) So um, we thought that was a really important and novel way to incorporate um, supporting, you know, both individuals. And did you get a good response? Like, did most care partners come and were individuals allowed to come if their care partner didn't want to come? Oh, yeah. So the the attendance requirement for the exercise was that we hoped that they would go eight times a month and they didn't have to be together. It didn't have to be to the same thing. Um, so it was they could make it as individualized as they wanted. We honestly found that the care partners needed reminding that this program was also for them. Um, So that we were, you know, even with the education, um, we have information within the education modules about care partners and the benefits of physical activity for care partners and how it's important um, for their own um, well-being. But it was a message that we had to repeat and still have to repeat that we also want you to go to the YMCA. We also Um, are encouraging you to be as active participant in this. And you said they had to go a certain number of times a month. Who was better at that, the individuals with Parkinson's or the care partners? Oh, gosh. Um, You know, I think the um, retention rate. So if you look at the retention rate on my poster, you can see that 73% of people with Parkinson's disease were able to be retained and continue with exercise and about 58% of care partners. So, um, People with Parkinson's disease mostly. It's not and um, um, not every person with Parkinson's disease had a care partner though. So there is some variability there with how many we had less care partners involved overall. And you said you you found five YMCA's or lo- locations, mm-hmm. and that um, could choose either doing individual exercise or group. Were the group programs um, directed toward people with Parkinson's, or were they just group classes? That's a good question. So we had four of the five YMCA's offer a Parkinson's specific group exercise class. So that was either Power Moves or um, the Parkinson's Network, which is, I don't want to say a spinoff, but similar structure as um, a Power Moves class. 
And then we were able to secure a second round of funding through the Parkinson's Foundation Physical Therapy Faculty Scholar Group. And with that, we um, trained exercise professionals in uh, pedal for Parkinson's spin class. So we were able to expand the offerings in the community, not just for the people that are part of our program, but globally. So that has been a nice addition to you. Yeah, that, those sounds like great programs. And they continue on at the YMCA? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that was the idea. We wanted to think about how we could make this more sustainable and impact the reach even beyond sort of what we're formally doing as part of this program. Good, good. Um, so I think I read somewhere else that they um, went through education modules. Is mm-hmm. that correct? That and is they correct. were like virtual that they did. It wasn't like a group education class. Right. So the um, the way we pivoted initially was that we all recorded our individual presentations and they were a self, we put them in a self-paced platform. Um, so the neuropsychologist gave a talk on mood and cognitive changes. We had a movement disorders neurologist talk about um, basic treatments um, and deep brain stimulation. Um, a physician's assistant talked about some medication um, management pieces. I talked about the benefits of exercise and Parkinson's. Um, and then Reed Handlery talked about um, care partner health and the importance of um, exercise and physical activity too. So there was a variety of topics. Um, it took individuals somewhere between an hour to an hour and a half to go through them um, completely. I think um, it worked best when the care partner and person with Parkinson's disease did it together. Um, the technology was challenging for some. Um, so we did have to help people walk through that a little bit more. So the care partners went through the education training as well. Yes. So that was, and that was the part that I think, um, we had to reinforce was that, you know, we also, this is also for you. So, and I think that maybe speaks to how little programming is available for care partners and how they, you know, sort of just expect that, you know, not just to Parkinson's disease, but maybe to other, you know, care partners for other chronic illnesses. Um, so yeah, we really had to like remind them, entice them, you know, tell them this is for them too. So one of the things you measured, I think was a self-report measure, um, of physical activity. Why did you choose that versus trying to get some kind of like a physical activity monitor or where you would get more objective? So we chose the International Physical Activity Questionnaire for just that because it was a questionnaire. Um, The program, currently, we don't have any face-to-face assessment. um, And so we wanted something that we could deliver in an electronic format. Um, We've done some accelerometry pilot stuff not related to this, um, where it was a... Um, an accelerometer that looked at physical activity and they could input the severity and presence of symptoms while they were wearing it. So, um, which was like a little questionnaire. There were some challenges um, with that too, but I think um, just for the nature of this community program, it wasn't feasible to also do accelerometry on top of it. Okay. All right. So, so tell us what, what did uh, your results show? What were your findings? So our key findings, um, hopefully it shouldn't be too surprising, is that um, people reported that they were more active. So using that questionnaire, um, both people with Parkinson's disease and their care partners um, showed a pretty um, meaningful change in how active um, they said they were. So we looked at minutes of moderate and vigorous physical activity per week 
Um, and individuals with Parkinson's disease um, reported about a 234% improvement. So they said they were physically active for about 400 minutes and they increased that activity to over a thousand minutes per week. Um, and then wow. care partners um, showed a 62% increase um, up to 780 minutes per week. So that was a pretty important um, improvement that we felt was valuable. Um, other key things um, that we saw is that individuals with Parkinson's disease reported that they had an improvement in social support from their family and friends. Um, so this obviously um, speaks to the benefits of group exercise and just being able to participate in physical activity with family and friends. Um, and how did you measure that, that um, family and friends? Yeah, so that was a social support for exercise questionnaire. So there is a care partner and um, individual with Parkinson's disease version. So that our care partner and then not specific to Parkinson's disease, but how much social support they thought they had. You did show some other in improvements with like knowledge acquisition and. Oh, yeah. So we used um, part of our feasibility was determining how um, feasible this was to continue. And part of that, we looked at knowledge acquisition, which was how much information or pre post test um, for the educational module. So how much they learn essentially from our educational modules. And there was a 41% improvement um, from knowledge based on our pre and post test questions for people with Parkinson's disease and a 35% improvement with care partners. So we felt really good about that. Um, and then for exercise adherence, um, we had 85% of people that completed the program attended at least eight times a month. So um, that was also, we were pretty proud of that. Um, this is a rolling admissions, though, so we're still continuing to enroll people. So we're hoping to even be able to update these metrics and numbers even more. You originally started with like 73 people initially enrolled, right? Yeah, so we had 76 people enrolled, um, 43 people with Parkinson's disease and 33 care partners. 48 people completed the education. So there was a Bunch, you know, we lost people from saying they wanted to do it, and then they never actually signed in um, to do the modules. And we did reach out um, and try to provide reminders um, via email and also phone. Um, and then of the people that completed the education, 36 people completed the six months of exercise at the time of this poster um, delivery. We've had more people complete since then. Um, but we had 20 people with Parkinson's disease and 16 care partners go all the way through the program and complete the post, um, post exercise surveys, which gives us some of that, um, knowledge acquisition and, um, impact following the exercise portion of the program. And any idea why you think you, you know, you lost so many from the initial enrollment? Um, I think COVID has just really wrecked everything. Um, and it really, you know, with the, we started this in um, 2020, June of 2020, which um, obviously much of the world was shut down, including the YMCA. So we had a delayed start to getting the program. And then once we were able to get the education modules kind of pivoted to virtual, people were hesitant to sign up for the YMCA, which was understandable. Um, and so, you know, once people started to become more comfortable in 20, you know, later 2020 or even, um, 2021, then we had, a, you know, another spike in COVID. So I think there has been, um, 
some waxing and waning and interest and comfort level of being in group settings for exercise. I feel like people with, you know, vaccination rates and those sort of things, I feel like people are now starting to become a little bit more comfortable with it and are more eager. We're seeing actually a pretty big uptick in people signing up for the program now, which is, which is good. Um, but I do think, hate to blame everything on COVID, but <laughs> it did really impact, I think, people's comfort level with um, starting the program, knowing that it included a group exercise or a public space um, exercise program. I totally agree with you there. Yeah. Um, so this was terrific that you had this YMCA program that was, you know, even geared to people with Parkinson's and that you brought the caregivers in. But what about for those of us who I don't have that set up with the YMCA, any suggestions that you could come up with that we can entice caregivers to participate with their partners? Gosh, you know, I think, uh, you know, that part has been the biggest struggle. You know, I think when we're looking to the future, we're hoping to change our program um, to be more intentional about engagement with care partners. So not just asking them to come with their person with Parkinson's disease or their loved one, but have separate programming so that it is, you know, not only just come support your person with Parkinson's disease and learn more about it, which I think is valuable, but what specific educational tools or exercise classes can we bring that will, you know, bring that social support um, specific to the care partners. Um, We have a really great care partner support group here in Columbia as well. Um, So I think that has been wildly successful because they have simultaneous support groups going on. So they have, each of them can, you know, person with Parkinson's disease and their care partners can have sort of separate activities, separate conversations, which I think helps with engagement and, you know, being intentional about, we really want to engage you in a specific way versus um, just coming along. Have you gotten a sense that a, a lot of people who finished the program have continued on at the YMCA? Are you still tracking them? So we are tracking them um, three months afterwards um, to see if they're continued, which is where that um, retention piece comes in. Um, We are doing interviews with individuals that have completed the program. So we're trying to collect some qualitative data about barriers and facilitators to, you know, why they went, what was good about it, what do they think needs to be changed. And so, um, yeah, so we are tracking people and then you know, trying to get more rich information from them other than just, are they still going? Are you asking the caregivers too some of these qualitative questions? Like what, what was most helpful for them? Like having the exercise or just being able to go through the education or maybe even just having a break and (laughs) going for coffee? Yeah. So we bring them in as dyads if they have a, um, a care partner. So we bring them in together but there are specific questions yeah. that are geared towards care partner versus person with Parkinson's disease. And yes, we exact, we ask almost exactly that question about, you know, what were your benefits from this program and what were your benefits from this program? Um, hopefully getting at some of their unique perspectives. Okay. So, so where are you going from here? I know you're continuing. Did you change at all the, your methodology or you're following the same plan? Um, so what we added with um, the PT faculty scholar um, grant was we added training of exercise professionals, but we also added physical therapy students to be involved with the group exercise classes um, to help support people that have bigger, more, more mobility challenges so that the exercise 
um, instructors could make it more rigorous for those that could and also uh, make sure it was adequately safe and intense for the people that needed um, some more assistance. So we added that piece to it. Um, and then what we're hoping to do, um, we've got another grant in where we're hoping to keep the education virtual, but have it instead of before the exercise, have it simultaneously. So have kind of a self-paced module with a monthly meeting where we can meet with everybody, have that discussion, um, and then sort of offer some of those breakout rooms of care partners and right. um, people with Parkinson's disease. So instead of it being like a two-step process, we're hoping to put them together so that um, we can keep, we can have more of a community and resources that are happening at the same time. Yeah, so that they can then talk to each other. What have you learned? How are you using it? Instead of just like, sounded like it was all in the beginning, we crammed it in and then yeah. we didn't use it. Exactly. Um, and I think too, it'll help just build that connection with us because right now we do reach out to them by phone, but there isn't really much FaceTime. I know a lot of people in the community just from working with a support group and that sort of thing, but there's not that intentional connection. And I think that could be really valuable and just adherence and um, building a bigger support network, you know, even outside of me. So. Great. That sounds terrific. Um, yeah. Any other projects you have coming down the pike? Besides, um, although, you know, if you have your hands full, I'm not looking yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, the other piece to the expansion that we're hoping to do is we have partnered with the South Carolina Alliance of the YMCAs. And so we are hoping to expand it across the state. Um, so I do feel like if that comes to fruition, that's going to be a big undertaking to get the YMCAs across the state on board with how to track and, you know, just logistics of paying for memberships and, you know, keeping track of who's all involved at what location. So um, that's my biggest, um, you know, coming down the pike experience, you know, thing I'm hoping to, to get launched. So, yeah. Maybe if you're successful there, you can go nationally with it because I would oh like gosh. our YMCAs here in New York <laughs> to have these programs. I will say it has been really lovely and very easy, knock on wood, you know, to get partnership. And I think it was the groundwork that was formed with Reed Handler in the next gym. He sort of built that program and a relationship with the Y. So when we came to ask, like, can we also do this similar program with people with Parkinson's disease? They were like, sure. Um, and so I think it would, has been a dream really to work with, um, the Columbia YMCA. So yeah, maybe I mean, it's a good marketing plan, for them, right? They bring the people in and then they enjoy it. It becomes part of their routine and then they, you know, take on memberships. Yeah. So I do think it's a, a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, teach us how to get these partnerships going. Yeah. You know, the local, especially the Y. Yeah. All right. So that's all my main questions. Anything that we didn't touch on that you that is a burning desire to share about about your project? Gosh, I guess I just want to make sure I formally thank the Parkinson's Foundation and their support with the community grant and the PT Faculty Scholar Grant. Um, so I think that obviously has made all of this possible. And then, you know, the great team of people that have helped me get this, you know, off the ground and continued on. So, yeah. Great. All right. So, um, you know, we have a tradition here in the podcast that we like to ask you things that you might be doing besides hiking um, in your spare time. Yes. So, what's so we are getting ready to embark on an out west camping adventure to the national parks. 
we purchased a scamp trailer. Are you all familiar with the scamp? Is that the thing with the map where you stamp all the states you go to? Or am I making that up? <laughs> so we do have one of those um, that goes on yeah. our scamp. But the scamp is right. like, I think it means small camper. I feel like oh, that might need to, I feel like that scamp. might need to be fact <laughs> Yeah. But it's a little white egg that has been the same design since its inception in the 70s. And our version is a 1982 version. And it's teeny tiny and, you know, my whole family will be crammed in there while as we like make our way out west. How many is the whole family? We have two girls who are, you know, growing at a rapid pace. I don't know how long we're all going to be able to fit in this thing, but um, 10 and 8. And then my husband, we're gearing up for that. So camping, um, which will probably include some hiking <laughs> okay, um, yeah. to be consistent with the theme. But um, yeah, we're pretty excited about that. Well, thank you again for joining us. It was, yeah. it was a pleasure to talk. Thank you for having me. And um, again, I'm honored for the, the recognition and chance to chat about this program. Thanks again for joining us today. Special thanks to our guest, Alicia Flock. Congratulations again on your poster at CSM. 4D is produced by the ANPT Degenerative Diseases Special Interest Group. Our podcast team includes Juan Paget, Sarah Zoller, Katie McGraw, Ken Vinaco, Jeffrey Schmidt, Carly Havard, and I'm Chris Burke. Subscribe to our newsletter on the ANPT website, neuropt.org, or check us out on Facebook, and please share this episode with a friend or colleague. Special thanks to Jimmy McKay of the PT Pinecast for providing music, and thanks for listening. Have all the bloopers we need. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm there for, (laughs) the bloopers. I'm going to follow the trend and say hiking. <laughs> oh, please don't. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, ha- I have something ready. I won't, I won't share. I don't want to like spoil it before. No, we- don't ruin it yeah, for us. Yeah. <laughs> Can you hear the car alarm going off in the background? <laughs> Sorry. I was like, oh, God. Um, all right. Back to the question. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Delete that part out. Say it's, you know, totally rugged. Did I get everybody's last name right? I usually have to do it three times. I have it all written phonetically. I was just thinking, I think Carly's is a little bit off, but it's fine. She knows at this point that we're (laughs) It's fine. It's good. I feel like I can't like fire myself from the podcast team, especially because wants to edit. So I'll probably be doing podcasts for the next 20 years until they go out of style. (laughs)